This episode is brought to you by Flatiron School. Flatiron School is an outcomes-focused coding bootcamp offering the best in software engineering education online and in New York City. For more information, visit flatiron500.com or check out the Giants of Crowns Partners page at www.giantsofcrowns.com forward slash partners. This episode is provided to you by Clara Labs. Clara Labs is making it easier for you to focus on the things that matter by providing a 24-7 virtual assistant to handle all of your scheduling needs. Here's how it works. All you have to do is CC Clara in your email thread, and Clara will take it from there. Clara is responsive, reliable, and simple to use. For more information, visit www.claralabs.com. Awesome. So what is Daily Harvest for people who don't know? Yeah. So Daily Harvest is what I like to think of as the cure to a modern eating dilemma. So we all aspire to eat a certain way, but what happens is life gets in the way and it can be really hard to eat the way that you aspire to. So Daily Harvest takes this idea of convenience, uh, but it offers it without compromise. Mm. And we use the freezer as the vehicle to do that. Mm. So how'd you guys, how'd you get started? Yeah, so I started as one of those people I was just alluding to who wanted to eat better but mm. didn't have enough hours in the day to make that happen. So I started meal prepping on Sunday nights, you know, bagging up ingredients, putting them in my freezer, and realized really quickly that this was a game changer, that I was able to eat the way that I aspired to. Um, and for me, it wasn't so much when I realized what a game changer it was for me, but when I realized that it really helped my husband eat better, mm. who, you know, he's a wonderful guy. He can't butter toast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Abby. Um, but, you know, he, he really got into it and realized that he was eating better. He was eating something that he felt good about, that he was making by himself, um, that I felt good about, too, that mm. there was a real opportunity. Mm. And when was this? Um, 2014. 2014. Yeah. So four years in. Uh, wow. Very late 2014. Late 2014. Well, yeah. we're, we're going to blink and it's going to be the end of 2018. Yeah. I didn't really start until 2015. Okay. Okay. So in the beginning, you, start, you, you were in your fridge. At what point did you start really thinking that this is going to be something you want to dedicate your time to? Yeah. So um, I'm a problem solver. I like to solve problems. Mm -hmm. I realized that. You know, even the meal prepping, which saved me time during the week, took a lot of time out of my weekend. Yeah. And I was like, why isn't somebody doing this? This sucks. <laughs> um, so I realized that there was the opportunity. And, and I uh, put together a really, really rudimentary um, MVP. It was so ugly and so gross. <laughs> Wait, when you say ugly, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, what did it look like? I mean, I built the website okay. on, I, can't remember, I think it was on Shopify or something like that, but it was like, I mean, it barely worked. Mm. And the images I take, I took with my iPhone and I just like threw something up. Right. <laughs> that, that actually sounds terrible. Um, I threw something on, on, on the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, started bagging ingredients in these little plastic baggies. And I said, you know what, I'm going to put this out there. If people like it, then it won't matter what it looks like if I'm mm -hmm. solving a real problem. Um, but, you know, people are saying, oh, well, the packaging and the, the website and, you know, all the, if all these things get in the way, then I'm not solving a real problem. Mm. And so, I was solving a real problem. <laughs> and what was, so the key indicator there was what? Like, 
was it a, a flurry of sales? Was yeah. it um, so responses? I set, yeah, so I set a metric. Okay. Um, I tried to be really disciplined with decisions like this. Mm-hmm. So I said, once five times more people who I don't know are ordering than those who I do. So mm. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just like my mother's friends. Right. <laughs> and, you know, my friends who felt bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> Sympathy purchasing. Um, but once five times more people who I didn't know were purchasing than those who I did know, um, then it was time to, to like go whole hog and, and do it. Okay. And so it happened really quickly. So at this time you had the name and you had like, I guess the underpinnings of what this business would be at that time. Yep. But it wasn't really a business. It was a side hustle. And right. it was like, so you were still like working full time someplace mm-hmm. else. Awesome. So I guess at what point then did you quit the job and dedicate to this? It was once I hit that number. Once so, you hit that number, that yeah. five times. Yep. Got and it. I said, I said I would do it. I'm going to dive in head first. Got it. What, what was that feeling like? It was scary. Um, I have, I was pregnant. I had a family. Like I was about to have a family. And like another startup. Another startup. <laughs> yes. I like to call them my twins, Daily Thank Harvest God. and my son, um, my first son. And, uh, you know, but my husband was supportive and, and he, we had decided early that, you know, if I hit this metric and I hit it within a certain amount of time, then it, we were going to do it. And, and I did it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So where would you describe the business now yeah. versus from when you started? I mean, unrecognizable (laughs) um you know the the core of the business is still very true so you know this idea of um you know reinventing convenience convenient food in a way that you don't have to make compromises and Mm -hmm. using the freezer to do that that has not changed um you know the freezer aisle is, is very broken if you go into the supermarket and you see this you know, you go down this aisle that's literally and figuratively very cold, right? There's glass. It's the temperature's cold. The mm-hmm. light is fluorescent. It's just it's like bad. Um, you're not incentivized to open up the the doors to look inside to to understand what you're actually eating. To take out the box to read the back. Mm-hmm. Um, if you did, you probably wouldn't like what was on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Three's Rile is broken. It's a fifty-two billion dollar category. And since day one, I really knew that that was what you know, we were going after, but not for the sake of being frozen, not for the sake of, of reinventing frozen, for the sake of solving a real life problem. And it's actually allowed us to really stretch outside of what's traditionally in frozen. So, you know, soup, for example, is not a traditional frozen category, but right. we've launched soup frozen. So was the, was soup an idea in the beginning? Like, were you mm-hmm. thinking, oh, you yeah. were, so you were thinking about soup and smoothies? Oh, yeah. And- oh, yeah. I, um, so as like a hobby. Um, so I, I was an athlete growing up and I was always okay. very well versed in health and nutrition. I was actually a rower. Um, nice. <laughs> and um, always, wa- always liked to make my own food because I knew what junk was out there. Mm. Um, you know, and then as my time became more restrained, um, you know, it became more difficult, but, you know, just as a hobby, whenever I had free time, like I love to cook, I love to, to kind of make things that, that seem really decadent, really healthy. Mm. So, you know, if somebody were to be like, this is the best chocolate cake I've ever had. And I'd be like, I bet you I can make it better using, you know, coconut oil and avocado. Mm. (laughs) So that's just the kind of thing that I used to do. Got it. Got it. Got it. So as you think about the business now, you think about daily harvest now, Uh um, what are some of the, 
I guess like larger lessons or the big things you you've overcome in the last three years or so? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's really hard to scale a business. You take something from ideation to, you know, various iterations. Um, you take something that's small and movable and, you know, when you've, you've got a small nimble team to a large team where things need to be, um, you know, communicated and you need to make sure everyone's rowing in the same direction. Those things are hard and, you know, it's, it's not something that, um, that I had ever done before. Mm. So still kind of figuring it out, but, um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been amazing. Would you say your, your time rowing? Cause I've never actually been a rower, mm-hmm. but I've seen it and I've like, a, I've, I've envisioned myself sitting with the team and rowing Yeah, that what, what kind of parallels are there between that and running this team? Yeah, well, there are a lot of them. So I was the stroke, which is actually the first seat. Okay. Okay. Um, so I was the one setting the pace for everyone else. When you say first seat, you mean, uh, Closest like, to the coxswain. Closest to the, what's the coxswain? The coxswain is the person in the front yelling at you, telling you Got what it. to do. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so so I was the first seat and I had to, to kind of like set the pace, mm. um, for anybody who's ever rode, it is kind of a grueling sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's amazingly pleasurable, but it's also really painful. <laughs> um, and you know, you, you just learn a lot of discipline, um, and you learn that, you know, if you break pace, the whole boat breaks pace along with you. Mm. And, you know, I, I think that it's informed a lot about how I, how I run a business, the discipline with, with, um, with which I run it, uh, but also, you know, the team mentality. Mm. So are you, what are your feelings around like how you build your team? Cause in the rowing, I imagine you're, you're filtering for certain things. Yep. Um, and then people have the opportunity to perform and then they get filtered as a result of it. In growing this business, I was sitting at the, at the front yeah. and I was flipping through your guys's, um, what would you call it? Like the, the journey. Yeah. <laughs> And there was like there was like one. It was you for a long time or for a while, and then it was two, and then two for a long time, mm-hmm. and then like maybe a year or two. Yeah. Um, but you still had partners and folks that you developed yeah, relationships yeah. with and all these things. For sure. Um, what was like, how did you start to think about your team and the team you wanted to build? Yeah. So um, I'd say early on, I hired differently than I hire today. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, I really looked for people who were passionate about the mission, first and foremost. Um, but I really looked for people who wanted to be in it for the ride. Because starting, scaling, it is a ride. And right. it's not for everyone. And you have to be able to, to stretch and contract and you know, be a jack-of-all-trades one day and be a specialist the next day. Um, and there's just there's a, a lot of, of demands put on you in, in a very early stage company. So, um, you know, that's how I would hire in the beginning who, who's up for, for the rigor of that challenge mm-hmm. and, um, you know, who has, who had skills to be able to, um, get the job done. I, I would also hire for people and then find places to put them as opposed to looking for a specific skill set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first four employees at daily harvest were people who I met, and I knew would just be, you know, killers. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I found ways to kind of um, parse, the, parse the responsibilities so that everybody had, you know, a seat at the table. Mm. And, and that's kind of how we grew. Um, and today, today it's different. So, you know, what happens in the company's life cycle is you go from this idea of, you know, you need all-around athletes to specialists. Right. 
Um, so, you know, we definitely hire for specific skills now, but it's still, everything comes back to our values and our core and, um, you know, are people passionate and, and are they up for, for, you know, some of the unique challenges in, in the startup environment. Mm. So what are some unique challenges for this kind of business? Cause this is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. is the software, mm-hmm. I mean, you have, you have a, you have a e-commerce platform yeah. and I'm sure you guys are like down Deep to the CRM level up where you're like, you know, what everyone's ordering and recommending things potentially. Yep. Then you have a perishable good yep. um, that starts to expire slowly throughout the supply chain. Yep. Um, and then you have the shipping piece. Yep. Then you have your branding piece. Like how do you, yep. how do you think about all that? What are some of the challenges with all that? Yeah. So the way that I tried to do everything at Daily Harvest and I, I believe that, you know, everybody on my team feels similarly um, is that we all report to the customer. Okay. So, you know, I'd say that that's, that's number one. And I think that that's a really important piece of, of what we've done and how we've grown and how we've prioritized. Um, you know, there's still things that, that we want to do to make the best customer experience that, you know, just resource constraints in an early stage company, um, you know, make it challenging. But that is always our ultimate goal. Um, you know, I built my career in hospitality mm. and that's just, all I know and I, I think that that it's all that matters if you have the right relationship with your customers but unique challenges um, I think aren't specific to the business per se I mean they're definitely challenges with perishables and, and food um, and e-commerce and shipping and I mean so, yeah. you know lots of lots of challenges <laughs> um, the logistics alone I mean um, but you know I would I would say in a startup environment it's it's just that um, you know, it's the idea that there's always change. Mm. And, you know, what the business looks like today is not what, what the business looks like six weeks from now. It's not what the business is going to look like 12 weeks from now. And you really need to find people. It, again, comes back to people. You need to find people who, who can roll with that mm. because some people are adverse to change and you need people who are not only willing to change but excited about that change mm. and willing to take on new challenges and you know volunteering to to take on things that they might not have had the opportunity to take on in in a more traditional setting mm. so could you could you expand on one of those challenges yeah. um especially over the last like maybe one that comes to mind one of the really impactful ones that you're so proud that you overcome yeah you overcome. so um I have to think about that one for a second, but, uh, okay. So I would say one example is as we, as we got outside of smoothies, cause we started the business with just smoothies and then we launched soups and, and breakfasts and, um, lots of other things. But, uh, once we started getting outside of smoothies, we were finding that, uh, people were really confused in their freezers. They were like, wait, is this a smoothie? Is it a soup? I can't tell. It's, mm. it's a, not a great customer experience. Um, so when you're a small business, you don't have a lot of leverage with your suppliers. So we went to our suppliers and we were like, hey, can we make some changes? And they were like, well, you know, if you order like millions and millions and millions and millions of product, we were not, we were not and are not in the position, you know, to, to make purchases like that because Mm. it would just kill your cash flow. It's just not something a startup does. Um, So, you know, we had to find ways to, to make it work 
and, and to help people differentiate between the collections. So, you know, there's some people on the team who said, all right, well, let's, let's be really resourceful. So we started looking into, you know, different cup colors. We started looking into, um, you know, different lid colors. We started looking into, do we put stickers on top? And I know this might not sound like a big challenge, but it really was a challenge for our customers. Um, so what we ended up doing is we ended up coming up with like a phased approach where, you know, in the beginning, we solved it one way where we had different cups, but it was not, it, it just didn't work for our brand. It wasn't something that we wanted to be doing, but we had to get enough scale mm -hmm. to get to the next step. Uh, the, in, the mid step was um, these stickers, which cost us a fortune to put on every single <laughs> lid, but we had to do it. And, you know, we had to, to stay true to our brand, but, you know, then we were able to at least differentiate another way. And our ultimate goal, which we launched just a few weeks ago, which we're so excited about, might not seem like a big deal, but it was like a real moment for us, um, is colored lids. Okay. Um, so, you know, this, this sounds like something that's so simple to do, but the scale at which you have to purchase things like this is mm. just astronomical. So, you know, we only recently reached that scale. Um, so every time I see a colored lid, I get really excited, but you know, the team really had to, to think outside the box and not only think outside the box, but, um, you know, be okay with a solution that was only going to last us three months mm. or be okay with a solution that was only going to last us six month, months. And it's not only that, um, you know, we had to get different components, but it's also like rewriting the playbook. So, you know, these little changes really affect the whole team and, and finding team members that, um, you know, are, are thinking that way, thinking in a resourceful way, thinking in a way that um, is iterative and, and, you know, having a movable mindset is, has been really, has been a really big piece of our success. Hmm. So how have you, you know, in, in sort of overcoming those challenges and even being resourceful in that sense, like how do you think about the evolution of Daily Harvest as a product? Yeah. Like how do you, are you, are you at a point now where you can start planning, you know, a year, two years, three years out down to the color of the, what did you call it? The cover, the color of the container? Lids, yeah. Lids, lids. Um, so we can plan, mm -hmm. but our plans really never are what we end up doing. Right. And the reason why is because, you know, as I said, everybody at Daily Harvest reports to our customer. Um, our customers is number one. And uh, what that means is that we are constantly changing our plans based on how customers respond to things. Um, one of the big differentiators between Daily Harvest and say, you know, a big CPG like, um, you know, Nestle or Unilever or whatever it is, uh, is our innovation cycle. So we're able to take customer feedback and immediately make changes on it versus, you know, a company that's spending, you know, two or three years and millions of dollars in R&D. And that's really how we've, we've been able to grow so quickly because we're able to, to respond to the customer and have a two-way communication constantly. Mm. So can you, can you unpack his that piece? Like what is that, how does that feedback loop structured yeah. um, given the product is something that lives offline? Yeah. Um, and you're trying to bring that information back yeah. into the well, system. It's, it's all about asking, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't ask. And we do have a, two, we do have a, a direct line of communication with our customer because we are a direct consumer. Right. Um, a lot of companies don't have that. So we're very lucky in that we can, con you know, as soon as something's consumed, we can ask, hey, how was it? Mm. What did you like? Not only what did you like, but hey, I noticed you haven't ordered this again. Why not? Um, you know, and, and constantly asking our customers to help us help them 
um, has been how, how we've evolved our, our product plans. Mm. So what, at what point did you, I guess, start to systemize that piece? Like start building technology? <laughs> <laughs> or is it's that ever evolving. Ever evolving. <laughs> um, you know, this is another thing where we actually just brought somebody onto the team who, um, who has just years and years of experience in, in R&D and the way that he's looking at things um, is just so eye-opening to us. You know, part of, of the way um, that, that we've developed our, our processes and, and strategy is by not having like that institutional knowledge. So you don't know that you're like going against convention and you're just, you make it up and, and it, it works. Right. Um, but having somebody come in with institutional knowledge has been really interesting to kind of see that, you know, there are some things that years and years and years of experience um, bring to the table to, to help innovate. Um, but then there are things that, that absolutely don't make sense. And I think that we, we, we came up with a more modern solution for, so, you know, I think kind of bringing those together and that's kind of the stage that we're at right now, mm. um, has been really impactful, um, and, and amazing, but, you know, specifically in this process. Mm. So the, the decision-making process around that, like you have, you, it sounds like you have, you have competing perspectives that you've brought, you've cultivated in the team. Yep. Which is helpful Team to solve rivals. problems. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, like, how do you, how have you thought about reconciling those decisions or coming to this? How do you guys come to decisions? How do you guys like, identify the problem yep. and then rally the team and yeah. then agree on something, especially with different perspectives? Yeah. So we try to be very methodical, mm-hmm. um, similar how how to how I was, you know, in the very beginning of the business. Um, we do use some business frameworks that. Um, you know, really work. So, you know, making it very clear who is responsible for an ultimate decision, um, you know, who's held accountable for the outcome, who's informed, um, who collaborates, all of those things. You, you know, if you, if you make it really clear and you have specific measurable goals associated with any initiative, mm-hmm. um, it actually becomes pretty easy to make decisions. Mm-hmm. So what, what is one of those uh, measurable goals you guys are tracking now? That's yeah. most important. Yeah. So, um, positive reviews. Mm. You know, it's something very simple. Mm. Like but, positive know, for, reviews on like a Yelp or like a. No, because we're direct to consumer, so we don't right. really show up on Yelp. But um, you know, for on our specific um, collection, so we just launched lattes, for example. So we've been. I we did have, not know that. Yeah, they're awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, so we launched a, a golden milk turmeric latte, a matcha lemongrass latte, and a chocolate chaga mushroom latte. Mm. They're so good. Um, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I had to plug it. But um, you know what's the way that that we've built the culture around around new product launches is that um, we have a doc, and every time a piece of feedback comes in. Um, it goes to our Slack, and everybody gets to read throughout the whole company how something is being received. And you know what it does is it starts the um, it starts the process of okay, where might we need to change something? You know, did we did we should we add a little a little sweetness because we didn't like the lattes. We decided um, that people could add their own sweetener you know, sweeten to your liking, right. um, was that the right decision? And, you know, did we get the right ratio of turmeric to ginger and, you know, how are all those things working? So if you, if we're getting constant feedback, it gets the whole company really thinking about, um, how they can 
how you know what they can do to impact the customer's experience mm. so are you are you still making the food yourself are you it sounds like obviously you're tasting everything yes and you're you're indulging in all of it yes. daily um so like how is that how are how's the product made how are the new products made like the lattes and the soups like and the r&d things? process the r&d process yeah. yeah so um you know we do have a team on it now mm-hmm. but you know i came mm-hmm. in last weekend or after last weekend with something that I had an idea for over the weekend and I froze it up and I brought it in and made everybody breakfast mm. and you know like in your kitchen or in here in my kitchen at home yeah and I brought it in and I said what do you guys think um you know and and I'm involved in all of the the product ideation for sure uh you know the original roadmap is very long that's awesome <laughs> that's awesome so the so you said you have a team now and yeah. you describe it as R and D team. Yep. Is that like chefs? Or our product team. Product team. So a product team in this kind of company includes what like chefs. Yep. Like folks with strong food backgrounds. Yep. Um, what else is there? Nutritionists. Nutritionists. Um, we have product managers. Mm. All sorts of things. And those folks were like, how did you fulfill those roles prior to bringing these guys on these guys and gals onto the team? Yeah. It was like consultants or was this all you? It was mostly consultants. Yeah. Got it. Uh, but we also had, had people on the team who are still on the team today, um, you know, who were able to, to wear multiple hats in mm. the beginning and now they've kind of specialized. Mm. You know, one of, one of the things I've noticed in the last uh, maybe a year or two is this sort of this uptick in food companies, mm-hmm. especially like food startups. Yeah. Um, quite a few of them have sort of been anchored around this idea of food delivery, but on the other side, there's these direct to consumer products and you yep. obviously have your blue aprons and platers and all these things, but this is a completely uh, fresh category. That it sounds like, I think you guys own completely. Freezer. You own freezer. We own the freezer. Um, congrats by the way. Yeah. Cause that's pretty, it's, it's it was pretty awesome because uh, no one else is doing that. Um, but so how, what were some of the things you think um, helped act as inflection points for the business? Um, as an example, like I've met folks who've joined like an incubator uh, yeah. for their hardware business. Being in New York City, hardware business, there aren't any hardware engineers around here. So they joined an incubator to be in that space. Right. Um, for yourself, was there anything like that that helped um, catapult the business or bump you up a notch? Yeah. Um, I would just say a lot of trial and error, mm-hmm. um, talking to folks, asking for help, mm. um, you know, looking for mentors, all of the things that you would do for any, any business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just looking for them in, in the food and technology space. Mm. Do you think you could have done this in a place like Pittsburgh or like, uh, it would have been really hard. Yeah. I mean, it would have been really, really hard. Um, you know, New York is, is kind of where, where it's at as far as it's consumer tech. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the resources are unlimited. And I actually find that the, uh, that the network is actually really warm and welcoming and people want to help each other. Mm. So in terms of like the, the network, um, who or what has been the most transformative in helping you get to where you are today or just like amplifying what it is you do huh. apart from your team, your core team? Um, I mean, we have some incredible investors right. who have been so helpful. Um, you know, there are also board members, which, you know, usually comes with the territory. Right, right. <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we have some investors who are, are very smart um, and specialize in exactly what we're doing. So, um, you know, we have we have Lightspeed and BMG, mm-hmm. who we just closed our Series B with, um, you know, and, and we when we were thinking about our ideal partners, 
we really wanted, you know, best in class when it came to consumer and food and best in class when it came to consumer tech. Mm. Um, and we, we kind of put it together and I, and I feel like, um, you know, we've been able to, to run, uh, with, a lot of the decision making, just knowing that we have them in our corner. Mm. So what's our relationship like? Like, how do you how do you get the most out of them? Yeah, I mean, we have a great relationship. So I, I mean, we just kind of pick up the phone and, mm. and text a call and, um, you know, have a constant dialogue. And I, I don't I think that is actually pretty unique. <laughs> um, I don't know if a lot of people want their board members hanging out that often. But I, I just happen to really like mine. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it, it's just it's constant communication. That's good. That's yeah. good. Um, and these, as we kind of transition over, what's, what's been some of like the, for you personally, what's been some of the biggest lessons you've learned, um, especially if you look at yourself three years ago? Like the version of Rachel that existed then and the version of Rachel that is now, what's the yep. biggest delta? Yeah, I would say um, grit. Mm. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, when you think about starting a business, it sounds, it sounds so sexy and so like, you know, oh, it's going to be such an amazing, fun ride. And, and it is. It mm. is all of those things. But there are some really challenging moments. And, um, you know, something that I always go back to and I've said this a few times, like in interviews and stuff, but I, I just, I shout out to my friend, Scott Belsky, who, um, you know, posted something one day on Instagram that just really resonated with me. And it was this idea that, uh, you know, it, I think he called it the relative joy of entrepreneurship. Mm. And it was a graph that was going upwards to the right, but just huge spikes and dips. Um, and it said, you know, as long as you're aspiring for the upward slope or, or like always aspire for the upward slope. And, you know, that's kind of what I, what I visualize when I have a really rough day. Mm. I'm like, all right, I had a really good, good day last week or good week last week. This week's a little rough, but I'm, I'm still, you know, moving for the upward slope and it'll mm. all be fine. It'll all come out in the wash and, you know, we'll continue upwards to the right. Mm. So do you have like a, a ritual or something that helps you get to that point? Um, I mean... <laughs> it's really tough with two kids, yeah. two babies. <laughs> um, I I would like to think that I had some sort of um, centering ritual I did before I had kids in a business, mm -hmm. but you know, life is just it's crazy. Yeah. Um. So you know, I, I'm pretty disciplined with um, spending time with my kids because I don't see them very often. So, mm. um, you know, I spend at least an hour and a half with them every night. So I I leave very punctually at 5:45 every single night which at a startup is like crazy yeah um and i'm home for an hour and a half and then i either come back or i'm online all night so you know being disciplined with that i see that as like my my time to to kind of center and and re-energize mm. So I was going to ask. As long as they go to bed on without too much of a fight, <laughs> because those nights are really rough. <laughs> so what? What are their ages? Uh, I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. So that's I've been told that's like up until six. It's uh, it's, rough. it's a rough time. <laughs> so, so how do you how do you think you know your your family life has helped you yeah. run this? Yeah, um, I think they've helped me keep everything in perspective. Yeah like a lot of perspective. Um, my husband is also just really supportive and he's, he's a great partner. Um, you know, I think as a single founder, 
it can be really lonely. Yeah. Uh, or it, it is not, it can be, it is really lonely. And there are things that you're dealing with day in and day out that, um, you know, you just don't have anybody that's like completely aligned with you on. Um, so I kind of use my husband for that. I come home at the end of the day and, and we get the kids to bed and, and then, you know, I kind of get back to work and involve him in, in a lot of the conversation and think through things with him. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you think that, you know, like I was c- coming from another conversation and, uh, my, one of my friends, he said that he don't, he doesn't think he could start his business if it wasn't, he could not have started his, his business without his co-founder. Yeah. Sounds like your co-founder indirectly was your husband, yeah, and my your, sanity, and your and your son, and yep. like that whole thing. Um, do you think you could have done this without them? No, it's sort of a morbid question. I'm sorry for that, but yeah, like, no, could this have happened without them? No, absolutely not. Mm. I mean, you you need that. Um, you need that those people who who kind of give it to you raw and, right. and you know, will will give you the feedback that nobody else will or help you think through somebody, uh, think through something that, um, you know, from the same perspective, mm-hmm. because, you know, as, as the founder of a company and as, as the leader of a company, there are things that, you know, you want to shield your team from. There are things you want to shield, you know, your board from like there's, 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 there's always a dynamic that you're trying to solve for. Um, and with the co-founder, the idea is that you don't have that, That's right. that dynamic. Um, and when you don't have that person to talk to, it's really hard. Right. Right. It's almost like you have to set up another personality yep. and talk to that person. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's interesting. So, um, what do you think about the future of daily harvest? Um, you, you kind of alluded to, um, this really long roadmap, yeah. um, and without like unveiling your hand, yep. what does the future look like? Yeah, so the future is to solve this modern eating dilemma, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, any time of day, if, if you're hungry and you want to fill your body with something that is unrefined and clean and pure, um, nutritionally dense, I want you to be able to, to, you know, habitually look in your freezer and find a solution there. Mm-hmm. What's, the, what's in the future for you as the founder, the a mother, a wife, like what, what is, what's the future look like for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many, so many big things that, that we have in store for daily harvest, you know, not only this year, but, but next year and the year after that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and as you said, having two kids under, under, I mean, having two kids at any age is really hard, but, yeah. um, you know, two kids at such a young age, it's a challenge. So, you know, it's definitely going to be, um, uphill for, for the next, or an uphill, um, uphill challenges for the next few years, but I'm, I couldn't be more excited about them. That's awesome. That's awesome. I feel like kids are, uh, life's cheat code. Yes. Yeah. I don't have any kids myself, but I, I can only like getting good at dealing with all that. Yes. I think makes everything else easier. It does. If that makes sense. And it's weird. There's a lot of things that you learn, um, like toddler psychology, <laughs> like how you get your toddler to, to do something. Yeah. Like it's, it's not what you would think. You cannot tell your toddler, or at least my toddlers, you cannot tell them to do something. Mm. They are, they are my kids and they do not like being told what to do. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so they end up doing the opposite, but you know, some of the skills that you learn and how to talk to them actually helps in, in communications just with all sorts of relationships. So what's, what do you mean? Like, you mean like asking them to do things? Um, like, I would you... say like, 
influencing others mm. or, you know, if I had to put some like business jargon onto it or, um, you know, getting somebody to self-motivate mm. or, uh, I would say, um, sharing bad news mm. or sharing good news mm -hmm. similarly. Um, you know, those are, are some skills that you definitely pick up when, when trying to, to communicate with children, right. um, that are universal. That's awesome. That's awesome. Maybe. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so transitioning to our, to our last last couple minutes here, um, I talked about our quick fire questions. Yep. Um, but before we do that, is there anything that you think uh, we should know that I haven't asked? Um, I don't think so. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, so first question then. Um, so as I, as I described before, so quick fire, we ask five questions. Okay. Um, quick answer. Or quick answer and then quick rationale. Okay. Should you need it. All right. Um, first question. Okay. Is Biggie or Tupac? I mean, I'm from New York, so right. the answer's got to be Biggie. Okay. Why is that? Apart from the New York piece. Well, I mean, obviously the New York piece. Okay. There is definitely <laughs> an East Coast, West Coast thing going on there. Um, but, I mean, I, I just, I think back to, to, you know, my high school years and, mm. and some of the incredible music that, that came out at that time of his and... I mean, it, it's just some of my best memories. That's awesome. Um, what's your uh, favorite book? Um, my favorite book is actually a weird one. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's a very good book, but it is a book with a lot of lessons. So it's a book that I read in business school called Getting to Yes. Okay. Okay. It's a negotiations uh, book. Yeah, I'm, I'm hip to it. <laughs> um, what about favorite song? Um, my favorite song is probably... Um, Ziggy Stardust? Ziggy Stardust. What, I've never heard of Ziggy Stardust, the name of the person? No, uh, David Bowie. David Bowie. I feel like I should know that. I'm going to edit that out for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so favorite, so favorite book, favorite song. If you were working on anything else other than Daily Harvest, let's say you've reached a point now where Daily Harvest has realized the full roadmap and yeah. then some. Yep. And you guys, in your flesh, your kids are grown up. Yep. Um, you're still out here killing it. Um, but now you can do whatever you want. Yeah. What would you be doing? Solving more problems. Mm. It's just, it's in my DNA. It's what I like to do. Mm. Is there a particular problem that, that comes to mind? Um, I mean, I'm so focused on the one at of hand course, of course. Uh, that it's, it's hard to, to think outside of that. But I would, I would say, you know, anything related to helping people live their most full, full life, mm. um, you know, and kind of this idea of having it all, which, which I'm realizing more and more is a challenge. Yeah. Um, but I don't like to compromise and I don't want others to have to compromise either. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, uh, thank you so much for the time today. Yeah.